Are you immersed in a sea of business advice and education, but not sure what to embark on first? Instead of adding to the ocean of information, we're here to help you navigate it like a pro. The Wayfinding Growth Podcast will help you take a deep dive into new actionable strategies, tools, and tactics to help you grow. So start charting a course for business growth as you explore a better way to grow further, faster, with your hosts, Remington Begg and George B. Thomas. What's up, fellow Wayfinders? It's your boy, George B. We're back for another episode, and of course, we've got fun people with us. The first one that we need to talk to is, well, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Remington Begg. What? What? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited. We got a new template today. It's going to hopefully flow a lot better, so I want, can't wait to hear everyone else's feedback about it. Yeah, we definitely want feedback, and by the way, just so everybody knows, when Remington nerdily said template, he meant show outline, meaning it's not going to be the same old, same. <laughs> that you guys are used to now with that let's go ahead and talk about the guest the guest is none other than mike alton from the social and let's talk about the topic the topic we're going to cover is capturing tracking tackling oh, i love that word your content yeah. ideas mike why don't you say hi to the wayfinder growth audience Hey, everybody. I'm glad you said tackling because we're going to get physical with this content stuff. Love it. Woo. Oh, man. See, I'm immediately showing my age because I started in my head singing, let's get physical, <laughs> physical. Come on. Just YouTube it, people. Just YouTube it. Hey, Mike, why don't we go ahead and get started with kind of introducing yourself and maybe giving a little bit of backstory on how you went from just Mike being born. Well, maybe we don't have to go that far back and then into like the social media habit. Yeah, we don't have to go quite that far back because I didn't start blogging until I was about two or three years old. There you Uh, go. (laughs) So that's when I started creating content right out of the crib, right? No, so I've I've been doing this for over ten years. I've been I've been writing, creating content, and and I like that you asked for the backstory because it does set the stage for a lot of things we're going to talk about next uh, and throughout this show. I started creating content back when I had my own web dev business. And I was just trying to market to people in the St. Louis area, small businesses. Hey, you need a website. You need to come to me, right? To have that built. So I was writing about online business, online marketing, social media, creating content. And I found that my content was not hitting my target audience. I was writing about the importance of creating content. I was writing about how to do online marketing. And I was talking to people who already had businesses and were ready to market them. I wasn't talking to people who needed to start an online business or needed a website. But I found in that process that I really liked to do that. I was having a lot of fun creating content. I was having a lot of fun educating people through that content. So that's when I started the social media hat. That was in around 2012-ish. And initially, it was just a place for me to put that content. I didn't have a long-term game plan in mind. I didn't know how I was going to monetize or anything of that nature. Just started Well, first I migrated all of my existing content over there and I started adding to it. I was writing about social media and blogging primarily and that ended up leading to a lot of really interesting things for me. It allowed me to create a voice for myself. It allowed me to establish 
uh, myself as an authority, both in the social media space and in the creation of content. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. I, I've written a lot about blogging, but that's not my most popular content. It's my social media content that's most popular. And yet I'm known as a blogger uh, and I'm known as an expert in blogging. So I speak on blogging. So it's this really odd dynamic that's happened uh, through the creation of that content. But what that has also done for me in a more tangible uh, perspective is it, it's given me actual real-life full-time positions. I became the CMO uh, for an online company, and I was a C- their CMO for many years. And I recently joined Agorapulse this year as their brand evangelist. And all of those things happened as a result of the content that I had been creating over the years. I just got back from a trip to Paris that – Gorpulse paid me to go to Paris because that's where their office is because I blogged for years. That's awesome. Yeah. The power of <laughs> blogging people, the power of content. Power of content. For sure, yep. for sure. So, so when we're talking about that's, you know, it's really great from a foundation. So, why don't you tell our listeners about how you make a living nowadays? Like what what is actually like you making a living? Right. So when it first started off, like I said, I didn't really have a monetization plan in in mind for the social media hat, uh, which was good and bad, obviously bad because for a while there wasn't any monetization happening. Right. But the good part was it allowed me to explore different things. I tested uh, all kinds of passive revenue options like affiliate marketing, advertising and so on and into the more active uh, options in terms of selling my time as a consultant and so on, um, actually selling products and that sort of thing. So for years, my primary uh, income was just as an hourly consultant. Uh, you know, I would charge by the hour to tell people how to do social strategy, how to create content and so on. When I became the CMO, that was a full-time job. So I, I went back to being a full-time employee, but I kept the social media hat on the side. And that has continued to this day, whereas now I'm, I'm a full-time employee of Agorapulse. So I have a full-time job that's paying a salary. I still have the social media hat on the side, and I'm still able to publish on an average of about one article per week. And one of the things we're going to get into is how I'm still able to do that even though I have a full-time job. Yeah, and that's that's where I want to get into because when you can do multiple things in the time that people think is impossible, then you're doing something magical when it comes around to content. Mike, I am super curious though, and I'm going to package this as two questions because I'm only supposed to ask you one, so this is literally me cheating uh, the <laughs> system here on the new show notes. First of all, I want to know if historically looking back at having no monetization plan, if you wished you would have or if you're kind of cool with how it went and in the second part of this question talk to us about some what you think are some major milestones to this to this like growth of like creating content had no voice um just kind of doing it because i loved it realized i liked educating people to actually that being like the the source of income for you yeah so to answer the first part of your single question I I wouldn't say that I wish I had had a different plan starting off, but I would say that a lot of the things that I've done, I would not recommend that other people do. Uh, I would not suggest that a normal business that isn't writing about social media and content creation, that sort of thing, jump into content marketing 
without a plan because content marketing is not the focus of your business. The focus of your business is appliances or uh, legal services or something along those lines. Now, in my case, it was helpful to me to not have uh, a template or a specific plan in place because I was able to test a lot. I often tell people, don't go to my website. Don't go to my own personal social presence and expect to learn from me just by observing what I do because I am testing so many different things and I might not be telling you what I'm testing, right? If you come to my website today, you'll see two, maybe three different pop-ups in the course of several minutes. That's probably not a good idea for most people. I don't care. I'm testing it and I'm using my platform as a testing ground to find out for you people what's the best thing you should be doing. Uh, so from that perspective, I don't regret any of the decisions or anything like that. Uh, it was really helpful to me to be able to try different things and then write about it uh, and turn that into content and learning and experiences from my readers. But in terms of milestones, there are definitely a few really interesting ones. Uh, the first happened around uh, 2011, 2012, um, and I'm really dating myself, even though I already said the date, but uh, to date myself even further, this happened on Google+. Plus. And what happened on Google+, Plus is that I started to develop relationships with some people like Jeff Seam. Stefan Hovnanian, uh, Dustin Stout, some other guys you might know. Um, and, and they were, uh, great in the sense that they showed me some tough love. <clears throat> they said, Mike, we like what you're doing. We like how you're writing and, and that sort of thing, but we don't care so much for how you're actually using social media. You're not trying to engage. You're not trying to form relationships. You're really just spamming and broadcasting and, and, and link dropping and so on. And they were totally right. That was totally what I was doing, particularly on Google Plus, where I could have and, and should have been doing so much more. Hmm. So it was a very eye-opening moment for me. And it was a very defining moment because I, I took their advice, changed what I was doing. Instead of just dropping a link to my latest blog post, I would introduce it and I would invite people to have a conversation on Google Plus. And the blog post was just there for reference if they needed more information. Yeah. They didn't have to go to the blog. They could stay on Google Plus and have a conversation. My engagement changed overnight. And as a result of the engagement changing, the algorithms that were in place at Google Plus at the time really, really benefited me. I went from having a couple thousand followers to within a few months having a quarter of a million followers. Hmm. That was a major change. Uh, that uh, audience yeah. growth was massive. And as a result of that audience growth, my reputation, my authority, all those wonderful things started to happen. People started asking me to be on shows and they started hiring me to, to do their consulting and so on. So that was one of the major shifts uh, that happened that was just not about actually the content that I was creating, but how I was delivering it and how I was promoting that content. Love it. That's fantastic. So, so let's, let's start deep and dive into this topic because this is, this is exciting stuff. So what in your mind is the power of creating these content ideas ahead of time? Yeah. So the biggest issue that I wanted to solve for myself and that I have now really helped to solve for so many others is this idea that we know statistically we have to create content. We know statistically we can get into this that, you know, it's, you, you need to have X pieces of content uh, in place before you're going to start to see traffic and so on. We know that content marketing works as a business, but 
we don't know where to start. And, you know, Mike, I might tell you that, hey, you, you need to set aside time every week to write and you need to be publishing on a regular basis. Uh, and so you sit down in front of your computer and you're like, okay, Mike told me I need to do this, but now I'm staring at a white screen. <laughs> yep. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to write. And so I've come up with a system that helps me to track the ideas as they come to me. And that's where it starts. So when an idea comes to me in the shower, when I'm driving, when I'm having a conversation with you guys, I have some place to put that idea so that I don't lose it. Because the older I get, the easier it gets for me to lose stuff like that. <laughs> True that. I don't know why this happens, but that's the way it works. So now that I have a system in place to track the ideas – and it begins to become a habit of tracking the ideas. That habit is now something that's happening on a regular basis. And it begins to form a mindset that ideas can come from anywhere. And so the more often you track those ideas, the better at it you get and the better the ideas get. And so for me at least and for many of the people that I've helped work through this process, now it's to the point where they can open up their system for tracking these ideas and they don't have a white screen that they're staring at. They have a list, sometimes hundreds of ideas that they could just pick from. Oh, I feel like writing about this today or nah, I don't like that. I don't understand that topic today. I'm going to write about this other topic today. And because there's a system in place, they also have many, many other ideas that are actually in progress. Maybe you don't want to start a, a blog fresh today. Maybe you want to jump into the blog that you were writing the other day or the other month. You can do that because it's all in one place. It's all easy to find. And that makes the whole writing process exponentially easier and faster. This is, this is amazing, first of all. And, and I know we ended those last words were writing process. I agree with writing process. I think this could even be video process or audio process. Yeah. Like, and, and here's the thing. I'm so like, I'm sort of frustrated because I want to just like nerd out and go deep. Like into the so, so talk to me about the process, Mike. I need to know about the process, but I think we need to back up and go kind of fifty thousand foot here, Mike, and ask the question like, why does this idea of of capturing, tackling, um, and tracking these content ideas even matter? Like, why does it even matter to businesses? Yeah, and I, and I thought that we're going to yeah back up for a second because our friends at HubSpot did a survey, they did a massive study a few years back, and they looked at uh, – they talked to like thousands of, of companies and businesses, and they got deep into the metrics, and they got deep into the archives, and they looked at how much content they'd been creating, and how much traffic they'd been getting, how many leads they'd been getting, how many sales they'd been getting because that's the bottom line, right? It's all about, okay, how much revenue are we actually creating as a result of this activity? And what they saw was that the more content that you create, it's not a linear line in terms of how many more leads and sales you get. It's an exponentially increasing line up and to the right if you're looking at it from that perspective. So the more content that you create, you're going to get even more traffic and leads and sales because it's going to compound. It's going to build on it. And they also found something really, really interesting, which is that it isn't just some random number of, of, of pieces of content. It's not 10 or 20 or 30. It was at 50. When you as a company are looking to start into content marketing, 
it's at the point where you have 50 pieces of content in your archive. That's when you begin to see that exponential growth. So when companies come to me and they ask questions like, how much content do I need to create? And how often do I need to publish? Right. Then the question that I always turn around, because you love to ask, answer questions with questions, right? <laughs> the, the, the question that I ask is, well, how soon do you want to see success? And what does that look like for you? Because if success looks like beginning to see exponential increases in traffic leads and sales, then we know statistically you're probably going to need 50 pieces of solid content in your archive. And then you can begin to work backwards from that. Well, if I know I need to have 50 pieces of content in my archive, how long is that going to take me? How long am I willing to wait? Because a lot of people, they just run into it thinking, well, I'm going to publish once a week because that seems to be what everybody else does. That might be okay if you want to wait 12 months. If you want to wait 50 to 52 weeks to see real results come out of your content and you're okay with that, then publish once a week. If you're not okay with that, you're going to have to publish more often. But we know statistically that at some point you will begin to see that success. That's pretty funny and great. Funny in a good way. (laughs) I mean, it's actually kind of crazy because I'm sitting here and Remington, I know it's your question, but I'm sitting here going, just go. Well, if I'm, if I'm a business person and I'm listening to this right now and I haven't historically been doing content and I know the magic number is 50, um, how about one a day for 10 days? Like it's that simple. Like make that a priority and get that base foundational content out there and roll with it anyway. So when we're looking at from a, from a content, ideas point of view like how are compiling these content ideas really key into helping companies grow i know you mentioned that you know it starts to be exponential but can you can you dive into that a little bit yeah so the first thing you want to do is focus on your clients or your prospects and sort out okay who they are what questions do they have what pain points do they have what problems can we solve uh because your content as a business can't just be about your business it can't just be about your products or services right it's got to resonate with your audience uh we love obviously talking about you know Marcus Sheridan's approach to attacking the bottom of the funnel which is fabulous and he gives some great examples uh, about Yale appliance and many others who have really, really attacked the bottom of the funnel. They create comparison content. Uh, they help people understand pricing and that sort of thing, which is really interesting. It's really compelling content that helps drive those leads and sales. The other thing you can do from a top of the funnel perspective uh, is a technique that my friend Stephanie Liu uh, talks about, which is to draw a piece of, a, a line on the middle of a piece of paper and on one side list your top 10 FAQs. Okay, those are those are great pieces of content to create as blog posts, not just as tiny little one paragraph FAQs, but go deep. But then on the other side of the piece of paper, write your top 10 should questions. What are the questions your customers should be asking, but maybe they aren't? And I love this approach uh, because some of the most interesting, compelling pieces of content you could possibly create are going to come out of that column. So you've got the system in place and we're going to go into some some details on that system in a minute, but you've got a system for tracking. So you begin to fill that system with, you know, what are some of the comparisons we can do? How can we attack the bottom of the funnel? What are our FAQs? What are some of our should be asking questions? And now you've got 20, 30, 40 titles, topics, potential blog posts 
create a little challenge for yourself and say, I'm going to work on writing a piece of content every day for 10 days, 30 days, 50 days, whatever it takes to get that baseline, that platform of content done. And then you can begin to grow it from there. You know, Remington, I'm quickly seeing that you're getting all the good questions because <laughs> Mike, Mike is ready to dive into the process, but I've got to ask him first. Okay, Mike. <laughs> so where are companies historically with actually creating this top, middle and bottom funnel of content? And he's going to answer that question. And then you get to ask him your question and everybody gets all the good gold nuggets of process. <laughs> so Mike, with that said, where are most companies when it comes to creating content right now? <laughs> I'm sensing there's going to be a change in the template for, for I'm sure next he'll time. Flip it tomorrow. He'll flip it next time. It'll be it'll be him asking the fun stuff. We can alternate, George. I got an and I, you know, when do I get to ask the good questions? That's what go. I want to know. <laughs> Let's really turn it around. No, so where, where do most companies fail? Usually, the, the most common failure that I see is they give up too soon. They'll start creating content and they'll think, oh, this is going to be amazing because I watched a webinar that said, you know, in 10 days, I'm going to make 16 figures and, and that doesn't happen. Not surprisingly. So they, they get disappointed. Uh, you know, they, they feel discouraged. You know, maybe they write a blog post and whether it's a big business or little business, it doesn't really matter. But whoever it is, there's a human being behind it who wrote that piece of content and it doesn't get any shares it doesn't get an engagement it doesn't drive any traffic or leads or sales and so we feel like a failure and that's totally understandable that's human nature the reality is content marketing takes a long time you're building a base for the future this isn't a paid marketing uh, advertising platform where you're just going to pump in some dollars and get some traffic and revenue back and you're just going to rinse and repeat it doesn't work that way you're building something and if you're doing it right, it's going to be built to last. So that's going to take some time, 6 to 12 to 18 months sometimes, depending on the audience that you're trying to reach, the saturation of the market that you're trying to get into, and the complexity of your product. Uh, if I'm selling $10 widgets, I don't need to invest a whole ton of time and resources into each individual blog post. That content's going to be remarkably easy to create. Whereas if I'm selling a $25,000 consulting package, it's more sophisticated. It's more complicated. Uh, and so the content is going to follow suit. It's going to take more time to create each piece of content. And then the entire pillar or mountain or whatever kind of parallel or metaphor that you want to use for what it is that you're building, that's going to take more time as well. So that's my number one thing. Be patient. Good point. So what's the good question? Yeah, come on, George. Oh, it's your turn, Remington. You get the good question. <laughs> <laughs> George, you crossed out my question. Oh, I did cross out your question. I'm sorry, but you should have known <laughs> to still answer it. I thought you were like, we don't need to answer this. No, 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 no. There you go. There's Sabotage. your question. <laughs> Winner. Oh, hang on. Hang so, on. Let me just say before you get started, hashtag winning. So so when um, when companies are – where do companies need to get if they're going to start growing using content? So – 
Like, can you paint that picture? You know, there's there's the volume that we talked about before in terms yep. of you know 50 or more to start to see exponential growth. But beyond that, there's there's definitely a layer of complexity to it. It's not just about spitting out blog posts, right, and getting to that magic number of 50. That content has to actually do something. We touched upon that a little bit with with this idea of funnels. So let's go back to that. For those who aren't really familiar with funnels in this perspective, what we're talking about doing is re- Reaching, first of all, people who don't know you, they don't know your industry, they may not even know that they've got a problem. That's what we might refer to as top of funnel, right? And we're just helping them, we're interesting them, we're engaging them in some way. And through that content, we're making them a little bit more familiar with our brain, a little bit more familiar with the industry. So, for instance, on my site, I've got content that just tells people how to link to a Facebook post, something very, very basic. Oh, how do I link to a Facebook post? Maybe if you know that, that's a no-brainer. But people who don't know that you can click on the time and date stamp, they don't know what they don't know. And I have a surprisingly high number of people who are hitting my site every single day trying to find out how the heck do I link to a Facebook post? But right. because of that, they're not looking for me. They don't have a big problem. But because I have a high number of people hitting the site on that very high-level piece of content, they're becoming familiar with me. Oh, okay, I've now been on the social media hat. And maybe that's it. Maybe they don't ever come back. But the next time they've got a question about social media, they might come back to me. And then again, and then again, and again. So I'm building that awareness. I'm building that no like, and trust factor. And as that happens... They end up going deeper, not just deeper into my site, but deeper intellectually, uh, deeper mentally into the topics that are of real interest. How do I have an actual social media strategy? Right. That goes way beyond just how do I link to a Facebook post? Now we're talking about how many times a day should I post to Facebook? You know, how, what are the best tools to use for Twitter? Uh, what should my LinkedIn profile look like? How do I actually make money for my business as a result of my social media activity? Those right. are the kinds of questions that you can start to lead them into more engaging opportunities. And by that, I mean, not just reading a blog post, but downloading an ebook. Hiring me for an hour, attending a workshop, those kinds of lead generating money making activity that we all want at, at some point through the business. So then what we're doing is now pulling them deeper into that funnel. So that's what you need to be thinking about as a business. What does my funnel look like? What does my target audience look like? And how can I begin to create content that reaches them at those different points in the funnel and brings them down deeper? So, Mike, I want to jump just a little bit deeper in that because we said as a company or as a business, those are the things to focus on, which is, by the way, Wayfinder Growth, rewind. Like, I'm just saying, (laughs) rewind, re-listen to that. But so let's go granular into this. And who needs to, in your mind, Mike, needs to be the captain of the ship as the company moves into this direction? Yeah, this is something that will change a little bit depending on the size of your company. So if you're a relatively small company, like a few people, it's it's got to be the owner. The owner's got to be in charge of this, mostly creating that content. I'm sorry, those of you listening maybe are like, I don't want to do that. Well, I'm sorry, you have to because nobody probably knows your business better than you. It's really hard to effectively outsource the creation of content. Uh, and to your point, George, again, this could be 
audio. This could be video content. So uh, those of you listening who don't like to write, hear me now. You don't always have to write. You can do audio content just like you're listening to right now. It's just there's some differences and that's fine. But it works. I love to write. So that's where, that's the perspective that I take and that's what I talk about most often. So if you're a larger company, you know, a medium to large or even enterprise level, that's where you can start to have people who are specifically in charge of your marketing and they're specifically in charge of your content. And the larger your company, the more granular you can get with that. But the real bottom line is somebody's got to be in charge. This stuff isn't just going to happen organically. It can't be something that you do when you've got time. This is what you do for marketing going forward. You are going to do content marketing, which means you're going to create content on a regular basis, and someone's got to be in charge of that. That role can shift a little bit, but someone's got to be in charge. Awesome. So now we're going to dig into the navigational tools. So you've mentioned framework a couple times, so been baiting us with that. Can't wait to hear that. But what physical or digital tools do you need to pull off this capturing, tracking, and tackling these content ideas? And then, of course, please share about your framework. Yeah, so my number one favorite tool for this is Evernote. Okay. So write it down, those listening, evernote.com. It's super free uh, unless you need to use it on a bunch of different devices. I used it for free for years. You don't have to use Evernote. You could use uh, Google Keep or OneNote. But the point is that you're not using a Word document. You're not yeah. using uh, iOS Notes or a Google Doc or something like that. And the difference is relatively simple. The notebook, note-taking apps – allow you to have different notebooks and multiple notes within that notebook so that you can see all the content that you've started to create, all the ideas that you started to create. And it's really harder to visualize that in a Google Doc. And it's even harder then to manage that once you begin to create content associated with those ideas. So to outline exactly what I do, inside Evernote, I have a notebook called Blog. Pretty simple. And inside my blog notebook, I have one note for every single idea that I've ever had for a blog post. Okay. And the process is simple. When the idea occurs to me, I jump into Evernote and I write it down. And the one of the reasons I love Evernote, and again, this is the same for um, Cuckoo Keep or OneNote, is that the app exists on all my devices. So whenever I have the idea, it's a matter of seconds for me to open a device, whether it's my laptop or my smartphone or a tablet, and record that idea. Because we already talked about I'm getting older and I'm starting to forget these ideas. So I record that idea. Now, the title of the note might be uh, the topic. It might be an initial idea for the title. doesn't matter as long as it's memorable. And then, depending on how much time I have at that particular moment, I might put more into the note. Maybe I just have an idea. Maybe I actually have a quote. Maybe I want to go into depth. Maybe I've got some time and I actually start writing. It just depends on on that particular idea and the situation. But all that gets captured in the note. You can put URLs in there. You can take screenshots. You can even record audio. So if you're in the car and you can't type, obviously you shouldn't be doing that. Let's be safe, right? It's like this this morning, uh, coming back from dropping off my girls at school, Traffic in St. Louis was terrible. There was an accident. There was like two accidents on every single major thoroughfare. So instead of a 15-minute drive, it was a 45-minute drive. And I could have popped open an Evernote app and just started talking into it, recording uh, the actual text 
for a blog post mm-hmm. if, if some if the idea had occurred to me while I was safely driving the car. So now that you've got that and you've got that system in place, that framework, you can begin to populate it with those ideas. You can start with some brainstorming sessions like we already kind of touched on, right? Where, okay, what are your top 10 FAQs? What are your top 10 should ask questions and, and other kinds of ideas like that and begin to create those different notes. And then you can begin to force yourself every time you have an idea to go back into Evernote and record that idea. And the more often you do that, the more often it becomes a habit like we talked about before. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I'm just I'm just being quiet because <laughs> because <laughs> my mind is a little bit blown to be honest with you like because so so well first of all Mike we do recaps of these episodes so there's like so much that I know I'm going to say but there's so much that I want to say and I'm like literally having an internal battle of saying it now or saying it later but like my mind is blown because I cannot tell you – I'm going to pull one little piece out when you were talking about how like as long as it's descriptive. Man, yep. I got notebooks full of junk that I was like, <laughs> what is – what? What did I want to yeah. do with that? Like, I don't even yeah. remember what this idea means. And so I, <laughs> I wrote down that I'm going to talk about in our recap. So folks, Wayfinding Growth Community, like in the recap, I'm going to talk about how the concept of less is more might be bullcrap in certain <laughs> scenarios. Anyway, I do need to talk to you folks about how this week's episode is brought to you by, well, us here at Impulse Creative and our marketing audits, our video audits, all the type of content audits that we do. So if you are trying to get the maximum ROI out of your video, out of your marketing, out of your content, then you make sure that you hit us up because we're here for you to help you be successful. Hence why we give you a free show every week. I'm just saying, Remington... Where are we at, brother? Yeah, so now we're in the Bermuda Triangle. So in this section, we want to talk about, like, where are people getting lost in this capturing, tracking, and tackling content ideas? Um, and can you speak to that specifically? Yeah, and I, and I love, George, that you said maybe less isn't more uh, <laughs> because that's totally true. There's this idea that today's society, millennials, exennials, I don't know what label you want to put on them, that they only want short snackable content, uh, that they don't have time for your long blog posts, so just shut up and give me the content right now in a TLDR and, and, you know, save all your words. None of that's true. It's not true if you are creating good content. I mean, you, you, you see these millennials, how long did they spend on Netflix this past weekend binge watching Stranger Things, right? They spent hours listening to that content or watching that content or consuming that content, depending on the format in which it was delivered. So don't believe that hype that everything you create has got to be 500 words or less or 15 seconds or less or snackable or biteable or, or whatever the case might be. It can be long and, in fact, it should be long. And so that's one of the things that I, I see people getting a little bit lost and, and confused because they they hear the hype that they should be creating short content. And yet maybe they start to see some of my studies or some other people's studies saying, well, gosh, if I create 2,000 words or more, uh, that content's going to explode mm-hmm. in terms of shares and in terms of organic search traffic, which is where the real money is. So 
that's that's a big thing for me is this idea that uh, you really do need to create long form content. In fact, I was uh, delivering a speech to uh, Social Media Week Lima at Jessica Phillips' event uh, this past summer, and I stood on stage and I said, "Once a quarter, you should create." epic content that's 10,000 words or more and she was sitting in the back applauding and making her team like hey he just said it he just said it it's not just me you do have to create long-form content uh because it's (laughs) it's true you have to now the other place that people get lost in this bermuda triangle of content marketing is they're trying too hard to create content or particularly long-form content and by trying too hard I see them often tackling topics and ideas that maybe they don't know a lot about. And they're basically approaching it like a research paper, like they're in college and Professor Mike said, hey, I want you to go write a paper on the importance of Facebook advertising and the congruence of chatbots and AI in 2019. And they're like, I don't know what any of that means. So I guess I'm going to do some homework and figure it all out. That's not where most of your content should be coming from because you're going to spend eight or ten hours or more just researching that topic and trying to create content. And you're going to get to 750 words and you're going to feel relieved that you kind of made it to an average blog post length and you really haven't said anything, uh, nothing worth saying in that content. Most of the time, the content's got to come from within. It's got to come from your heart or your mind. You have to be sharing what it is that you know, sharing stories, sharing your own personal experiences. Um, that's what's going to resonate most with your audience, and that's what's going to be easiest for you to create. It's going to be super fast for you to churn that out. It's how I'm able to sit on a on an airplane with no Wi-Fi and, for a few hours and create three or four blog posts because it's all coming from in my head. I'm sharing my personal experiences. Man, I love this. Well, first of all, I love it because now I don't feel so bad about what Remington just made me do recently, which is I wrote an article. It's coming out or a page. It can be whatever it wants as long as it gets yeah. published uh, around HubSpot, Mike, and it's like 12,000 words. And it's like mm-hmm. it is an epic piece of content. And like here's the thing. It did come from my head and my heart because, well, I'm a HubSpot nerd. I mean, let's just face it. It's a true fact. Like 21 certifications, certified trainer, blah, blah, blah. That's not why we're here. Why we're here is actually to figure (laughs) out, like, I'm down with this. And, and, and here's the thing. The reason I love that I got this question is because I have my own set. (laughs) I have my own set of pirates. Right. When it comes Mm -hmm. to creating that content, especially when it comes to written, because I'm more of a video guy, but. But who do you, Mike, think when we get in this scenario, and it can be about creating the content, it can be about like tackling it and tracking whatever in this, but who do you think the pirate is in this process? Okay, so this will probably resonate with, with, with a lot of people listening and maybe even the two of you. This idea, this persona, this pirate that says, who do you think you are? What makes you so smart? What makes you the expert? Why should I read or listen or watch your content on this particular topic? And then you respond in your brain, you know, you're right, imposter private, pirate. I, I, I'm nobody. I forget it. I shouldn't, I shouldn't write this. Nah, 
I'm not going to do it. So it's, it's this imposter syndrome that most of us, if not all of us face at one moment or another, this idea that we're not as good as the others. You know, I can't write as well as, as Mark Schaefer. I can't create video as well as Marcus Sheridan. Uh, and so I shouldn't even try because nobody's going to listen to me. Uh, and of course that dude's wrong. That dude's totally wrong. We all started somewhere. Uh, we yep. should never be comparing, you know, our middle to somebody else's end or our beginning to somebody else's middle or really comparing at all. Uh, because yep. we all have our own perspectives, our own expertise, and we all have something to add if we just try. Yep. Mm. Yep. Mm. That's awesome. <laughs> so now is the time that we get to talk about making sure everyone knows about our weekly deep dive newsletter. So you're going to get to have direct links to a lot of these conversations. If we have some great conversations in our Facebook groups, then of course we'll be linking out to those. But make sure that no matter what page you're on on wayfindinggrowth.com that you're signing up for that that newsletter because you're going to get some very intimate content one-on-one from George and myself. And you know when I love that those words come out of Remington's mouth because that simply means it's time for Captain Killing It, where we talk about somebody who is absolutely killing it on the internet, either in a good or bad way. So, Mike, I'm super curious. Who is this week's Captain Killing It? And I love it because not only do you not know who I'm going to name, you don't know if it's good or bad. I might, I might throw someone under the bus right now and you'd be like, oh, dude, we can't even publish this podcast because (laughs) – You'd be like, Remington Beck. But no, I'm not that kind of guy. So uh, I'm going to talk about one of my absolute, absolute favorite writers. And she is – uh, not just a brilliant marketer, but her writing, uh, when, when she shares things, it just, it just totally comes alive. She's able to just totally describe the most mundane, interesting things and, and make something as simple as a, a, a cheese stick on the floor of a hallway be hilarious and compelling content. And I'm talking about Anne Handley over at Marking yeah. Press who is just rocking it. And the reason she's top of mind, I mean, this is, I mean, she's been doing this for a long time. You guys know, Anne. she's always been a great writer. She's, and, and she's been somebody that I have looked up to and admired for a long time. But what she's done recently, she's been emailing. Mm-hmm. And I know some of us is like, what email do people still do that? She's doing a, she calls it her fortnightly newsletter and it's one of the best newsletters i've ever read i've recommended it now many many times for that reason and she's sharing personal stories she's sharing writing tips she's sharing other people's resources and content which is amazing and throughout it all she's sharing um and and demonstrating what a great writer she is at how good she is at just saying things in a beautiful descriptive way uh so again for those of you listening go to annhanley.com and subscribe to her newsletter you will not regret it Awesome. So we're going to make sure we put a link to how to get subscribed to her in our show notes as well. And she's got a couple of really great books around writing too as well. So that is a fantastic Captain Killing It. So 
So, Mike, thanks so much for um, your time on today's show. So where can folks connect with you online to follow you more and see what you're sharing? Yeah, thanks, guys. It has certainly been a pleasure. I always love talking about blogging and content creating, content marketing, and I really enjoyed being able to do a Captain Killing It moment. That's that's awesome. So for me, uh, the socialmediahat.com is where I do most of my writing. Uh, not all. I do guest posts and do some other writing on some other places. In terms of social, it's interesting because I've kind of come full circle and I've come back to Facebook, uh, mostly because I mentioned Google Plus earlier. Well, the Google gods killed off Google Plus uh, a long time ago, but Facebook's where I have a lot of my conversations and spend a lot of time. Facebook.com slash Alton uh, is where I'm at, uh, but always happy to have a conversation on whatever social network is your fancy. I absolutely love it. A couple things. One, that Mike mentioned Facebook, that he loves Ann Hanley because so do I, but Wayfinders, it has come to an end. We thank you for your engagement, your viewership. Make sure that if you're listening to this on iTunes, leave us a rating and review. Five stars is fine. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe, hit the bell for instant notifications. But you know what I'm about to say, and that is until next time, make sure you are doing all you can do to leave the dock of mediocrity and set sail into the sunset of your success. 